Hoo-wee. The Chicago Bears lose a game that was pretty much over at halftime, 10-41 to to the Detroit Lions. I bring on WCG's boss man, Lester Wiltfong, to help me break down this one on this episode of Bear With Me. What's going on, everybody, and welcome back to Bear With Me, a Chicago Bears podcast hosted by yours truly, Robert Schmitz, right here on the Windy City Grand Iron podcasting channel. And I am here with Lester Wiltfong covering a horrible, horrible Bears loss in Motown as the final score was 10 to 41. <laughs> the Lions absolutely destroyed the Bears. I mean, it was 10 to 38 in the near early parts of the third quarter. Like, Lester, this one went as south as south can go. I mean, what are your initial takeaways from this game? Well, at one point, it was uh, the Bears had 11 points, according to Fox broadcast. And, and that accidental 11th point was actually uh, the highlight of the Bears second half there. So it was good to see that from Fox. Uh, just awful, awful game. Offense was bad. Defense was bad. Effort was bad. I, I hate questioning a team's effort, but it just looked like these guys did not want to play football today. It's New Year's Day. They suck. The Lions have something to play for. The Bears have nothing to play for. And it's it's human nature. You know, yeah, you want to go out there and, and do your best, but you know, you can kind of see what's going on here. Oh, yeah, 100%. I mean, if anything, Lester, I feel like so much went wrong, it's almost impossible to draw rational conclusions about just about everything. I mean, yeah. was this de- defensive line good? No. So when they got absolutely run on by whatever the Lions wanted to do, does that surprise us? Not really. Do either of us think that the Bears receivers are good? No. So yeah. when they can't get open or when Cole Komet and Dante Pettis drop the passes that did get delivered to them, like that sucks. But what's yeah. New. I mean, what I will ask you about before I just spill right through it, what did you think about the sacks? I'll get the number on just how many there were. I know Sack Watch is going to keep you awfully busy, but in general, did you think it was like just first watch, not having anything else to go off of? Do you feel like it was split between the quarterback and the offensive line? Would you pin it more on the offensive line? Like, how are you generally feeling about the line play today? Braxton Jones got bull rushed at least twice that I know of. Uh, when I go back and watch the tape, obviously I'll know a little more. Um, but the bad game for Braxton Jones literally one week after I did a Braxton Jones breakdown. So that's not, not that's not good there for the for the channel, obviously. But you know, it's then a couple times Justin Fields looks like he held the ball too long. Um, and I don't think I have given a Justin Fields blame on a sack in, in maybe three or four weeks. So He's probably going to get at least one. I know there was one where he ran out of bounds. That's going to be his sack. Um, it was rough. I mean, the, the pass pro was awful. I mean, but, you know, that's that's been all, all season long. Justin Fields is now the most sacked quarterback in the history of the Bears franchise in a single wow. season. He, uh, he passed Jay Cutler's record of 52 sacks. He was sacked 52 times in 2010. So wow. Justin Fields now has that record all by himself. And I mean, he did it in 16 games too. So you can't say it's the 17 game thing. Actually, right? Jay Cutler did it in 15 as well. Well, that. so did Fields because he missed <laughs> yeah, the Jets so game. Yeah, yeah. Uh, oh, it's rough. But I, I can't help but feel like, Lester, if there's one comment I almost wish we could banish, and, and it's not calling you on that you said it, but the fact that this was a game where I felt like not being able to see the All-22 was worse than ever because as field sat there holding the ball too long i mean that's the only adjective we can use right lester because it's the only thing we can see you know if the receivers weren't separating i would have loved to know that 
as a fan. And we'll have to wait until all 22 Tuesday to really take a look at that. But it's, it's just frustrating as a football fan sitting here on a game just like today, Lester, having no idea what actually went wrong because we can't see the primary half of the field when the Bears are running a passing play. I mean, even when the Lions are doing it, all we get to look at is a beautiful offensive line keeping nobody near Jared Goff and him throwing strikes to wide open Lions that have two to three yards of separation. I mean, you want to talk about the shoe being on the other foot, Lester? The Lions felt like they were living a dream that Bears fans could be jealous of because in all phases of this game today, the Bears just got creamed. I mean, there's no two ways about it, right? All phases. Yeah, the all 22 would be nice. And that's one of the nice things about that that Amazon broadcast is you have the option to kind of turn on the other, the alternative uh, view, which is a little a little bigger screen. I don't, I'm not sure if it's the actual all 22, but it's a it's a bigger field. You can see what's going on there. And it, it's nice to know as Bears fans who watch the all 22. And I got to tell you, all 20. What is it? All 20. All 20 Tuesday. Tuesday. Oh, man, <laughs> that's a great name. I love that. But as as fans that have watched the All-22 and we've seen this these Bears receiving core struggle all season long, my guess is there's going to be some times where just Justin Fields had nowhere to go with the ball. Part of it is a, a leaky pass pro. Part of it is definitely the receivers. I mean, again, today, Byron Pringle, Equinemius St. Brown, Chase Claypool barely played in the first half. I don't know what his deal is. He definitely has the speed and the size to be able to get himself open. But we haven't seen it so far as of Chicago Bears. So... I just want to sim the season, man. I want to get the season over with. You know, I, I think the, the Vikings, now they have something to play for next week. Thank goodness. The Bears clearly don't. I, I'm okay if the Bears uh, let Justin Fields take take next week off. I just think that he may have some, like I said, hip, hamstrings, maybe something with a head. I mean, it just didn't seem like the same Justin Fields we've seen the last few weeks. And if you're gonna if you're gonna bench someone, that's that's the time to do it. Last game of the year, nothing to play for. Let's get the hell out of here and get the season over with. Well, I feel like ironically, Lester Fields did look like much the same player that we've seen for weeks until he broke off that 60 yard run. And I don't know if you feel like you saw things the way that I feel like I saw things, but it felt as if about halfway through that run, we saw Fields just run out of gas. I don't know if this was the fatigue of the season. I mean, it could be, it could be that simple, right? He's been running an awful lot, not just yardage, but like raw distance on the football field, but it feels like that's a, that was the exact run that once he split those safeties, if this was week eight, he finishes a touchdown, right? Yeah. And I'm not upset about it. Truly, I don't care. Like the fact that we've got a quarterback that can turn that kind of a corner and create 60-yard running rushing plays on third downs from the pocket is awesome as is. But it does bring up concerns, Lester, on it felt like from that moment in the early first quarter, Fields was hurt and he was still playing. As Michael Schofield left the game, Tevin Jenkins left the game, like whatever was left on the Bears offensive line suddenly turned into Dieter Iselin start or like playing significant minutes for the rest yeah. of the game and just problems at quarterback. I mean, it felt to me, Lester, like Fields spent the entire game, almost the entire game frustrated that he had to play it. I mean, far be it from me to actually suppose one thing or another, but he didn't look like he trusted the offensive line. He didn't look like he wanted to be there. He didn't look like he trusted his wide receivers. And I mean, it created a lot of, uh, it, it, it further 
further put a microscope on a lot of the bad habits that I think we've been talking about within Justin Fields' game for a little while. And that's what makes this game, to me, Lester, so frustrating. It's not, wow, Justin Fields is suddenly bad. It's more like Fields seemed like he got frustrated at the situation around him. Then he held onto the ball a little bit longer to make sure his receivers were a little bit more open, which they don't seem like they were, challenged an offensive line to block even better as they lost personnel and frankly just got smoked at both tackle positions. And it was, I mean, it was just a top to bottom awful game. If the Bears decide to claim Fields is uh, like isn't healthy enough to start in the last week, I will tell you, Lester, that it's going to break my heart just a little bit that Fields can't break that rushing record. I mean, he is so, so close. What is it? He's about a 70, 80 yards away at this point, like a very manageable number for a guy who's now cracked off more 50 plus yard quarterback runs than I think the last five seasons of quarterbacks combined combined like he's doing some amazing things as a quarterback runner but i don't disagree with anybody out there that says that this style of play is unsustainable i think fields knows it isn't sustainable i think fields tried to play that whole second half in the quote-unquote more sustainable method of quarterbacking and nobody came open much like what we saw in buffalo where he was throwing to the flat on time he threw to the flat today to cole kmet it had a couple nice checkdowns in the early part of the game that then uh like they were able to score off of it's just Lester, it's frustrating seeing a team that I saw a Lions reporter describe as not even practice squad level playing with Justin Fields. And yet, with everybody else hurt, Fields Fields still has to play the game. It, it It is a bizarre watch as a Bears fan, you know? Yeah, it was brutal. I mean, it was like like we said, nothing was positive to come out of this. Justin Fields, uh, I think you had a tweet earlier talking about some of those bad habits. You don't want to see him getting these bad habits uh, with, no. with the ball. And if he doesn't trust his own line, which it seemed like he didn't today, and who could blame him? I mean, the Bears tried a little bit of quick game stuff, and, and the pressure's on him so quick. Um, I saw some people saying, hey, Justin Fields has to step up away from some pressure. Uh, there's really nowhere to step up to. I mean, if the pressure's coming from more than one spot. I mean, if it was just one spot that that's that's kind of have some, some pressure leaking on him, maybe you can kind of uh, scheme around it or work through it, but Braxton Jones got worked. Uh, Riley Reef got worked. You know, the, the interior got worked a little bit. So there was just nothing for him to do. Um, too many drops again. We've seen all season long. He had, he had like we said, seven sacks. He had seven completions. So that was a uh, just a brutal Horrible. game all around. Horrible. And, and, and I will ask Lester, just so that we can have the conversation, right? I mean, when it comes to Justin Fields stepping up in the pocket, at least what I'm visualizing isn't like, okay, I hope I can explain this well. There are some times where a quarterback feels pressure and steps up in the pocket to evade a rusher, right? But my understanding is that there are also plenty of opportunities where a quarterback can see the angle that the edges are taking and that those edges are flattening down and just preemptively step up in the pocket to aid the tackle. So not evading per se, like not the feels pressure steps up into the pocket, but more the stuff that you've seen a lot of standard uh, pocket passers do. Tom Brady, Aaron Rodgers, uh, Derek Carr, Jimmy Garoppolo, even Jared Goff. That motion, you know what I'm talking about, Lester, where they hit the back of their drop and immediately they take a hard step forward and then frankly shuffle forward again most of the time to go from what, like a nine-yard drop depth to like a five-yard drop depth. But to your point, Lester, I don't know that Fields trusts his interior in 
enough to do that because the moment you do that and you step up into somebody that one of those early sacks came from, it looked like the right guard. It must've been Tevin Jenkins getting absolutely smoked by a double blitz up that B gap. And if you step up into that, you, you may not finish the game. So you tell me like when you're watching fields, cause I know how hard it makes it on a quarter or on an offensive tackle. When your quarterback takes these deep drops that fields likes to take is there any part of this that you think could or should be worked in the offseason on just how fields can make things maybe a little bit easier for his tackles when life is hard? I mean, that's a scheme thing. I mean, if, if they're calling seven step drops and, you know, that's the coaching staff, they want him to get to that point to deliver the ball. And, right. and with, with the timing based offense, you know, when he, when he hits that the top of his drop, that's when, you know, at that point, he should know where he's going with the ball. You'd ideally want the ball out at that point. Your tackles, they understand, well, he's dropping to this depth. They understand that's how they're going to try and, you know, direct the the edge rusher past that point, if possible, if they can't just stonewall in there. But, yeah, I mean, it's, it's nice to see a quarterback having the feel for the game and feel for the pocket to where if he, the pressure is coming. If he understands, well, my, my left tackle is going to, you know, have a little bit of pressure more than usual. He has to be cognizant of that. If, if you can get to that, that drop, make a, like I said, a, a, a nice quick step up to kind of evade that. Plus it's all about the angles too. Sometimes you want to, you know, step up to get a little better angle on the throw. You know, sometimes it's just, uh, there's not a good window to, to throw your, the ball to. So a lot of that movement is also that, but again, Mustafer Whitehair's had a bad year. You know, today it was Dieter Iceland was the third, uh, right, right guard in it's hard. It's, uh, oh, yeah. you know, th- th- this O line has to be addressed. I mean, it, it, it was, it was talked up like it was going to be addressed really big this year, and it just didn't happen. Yep. Um, it just seemed like they didn't make – you know, Ryan Pohl had had talked a big game about his own line, but when it came right down to it, he didn't really do much until training camp was about to start, and he brought in right. uh, Schofield and, and Reef, and then at, and then Schofield was cut. He wasn't very good. They brought him back, and he's, you know, thank goodness he's been serviceable because they had nothing else there, so – you know, I, I talked about how much before. I mean, Dakota Dozier was was a big right guard plan here for the Bears. He was starting with this team all summer. Yep, that that, that guy, he's on IR. He couldn't even play for the Vikings last season. He was a practice squatter for them, and that was Ryan Poles' free agent acquisition to bring in. That was his guy. You know, yeah, he brought in Lucas Patrick. That injuries was was all over the place, but he got to do more to to upgrade the O line. This offseason is going to be huge for him. You know. Yep. Tevin Jenkins is obviously a guy, but he gets hurt a lot. You got to have some 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 other guy there. Leatherwood inactive today. He looked bad so far in his last game. So what do you do there? Braxton Jones, like I said, I, I just broke down his film last week, which against the Bills was pretty good. Here he is this week. Awful. Again, the bull rush. If that's the one hole in his game, he could work on that. It may never be fixed, but he can get, you know, figure out a way to kind of work through that. But still, Reef on the right side, you need a right tackle. You need at least, you know, three starting quality offensive linemen to come in and, and be on this team. Then, of course, the, the trenches on the other side, the defense, it's bad over there, too. It's a bad football team. Oh, oh yeah. I mean, yeah. Lester, to give the benefit of the doubt and suggest that Claypool must, quote, just be hurt, which who's to say, right? Um, but let's pretend he is to give just as much benefit of the doubt as possible, you still probably want, Claypool included, two veritable Mooney-level receivers uh, yeah. if you can get them. 
Like yeah. whether that's Claypool or not is pr- frankly up to chase, but you, if you could get a better one, great. I mean, like there's a real argument on a day like today, Lester, the, there's no play that sticks out to me more. I understand it was third and 19, but there's no play that sticks out to me more across these last two games than Justin Fields at the end of the game, third and 19 drops back into the pocket, feels a little bit of pressure from the right-hand side, Reef dumps his man, Fields jumps over the guy and starts to trot sideways. Not a full roll, right? Not sprinting to the sidelines, but just trotting to the sidelines. Gets all the way to the sidelines. Stands on the sidelines for two more seconds before finally an or like a defensive edge rusher closes on him and he's got to get rid of the ball. Receiver looked so bad today that as poor as their defensive line has been, and as talked about as that is, and as poor as their offensive line has been, and as talked about as that is, Lester, it is it is hard. It's going to be tough to convince me that the Bears don't have maybe the biggest need on the team at receiver when you look around the league and you see A.J. Brown rescuing a lifeless Eagles offense with a backup quarterback, when you see Mike Evans having a huge hand in winning the Buccaneers, like winning the Buccaneers the division at the very end of the season. Like, not everybody – in all of these cases, not every receiver is 100% like consistent week to week. It's not that easy, but the Arizona Cardinals were utterly lifeless until DeAndre Hopkins got back. And then for a couple weeks, they had something going because they had their big receiver. Look, I don't know whether it's going to be Quentin Johnston, JSN, or somebody out or down in the second round, but Lester, I will tell you that it is so abysmal watching these receivers play football. The one play we got to see was that what second and 10. Do you remember the one I'm talking about where they ran like all slants and you could, you could clearly see on television that the lions just blanketed it. I mean, the lions went so far as to blanket a right tackle leak because they just caught the bears trying to leak Riley reef out and Justin Fields had nowhere to go with the ball. And if I was fields, I'd be frustrated too. I mean, I don't understand. There's just not a lot of options for what the Bears are asking their quarterback to do. And look, whether it's offensive line, whether it's receiver, yes, I say a lot of this because I love offense, but the Bears' offense to me, Lester, feels so under-talented that it is becoming unhealthy for anybody to play quarterback at that spot. And if that means that you need to address defensive line more so in free agency than at the top of the draft, I don't know what other choice you really have because Alan Lazard isn't going to save this Bears receiver or receiver core. You know what I mean? Like they need a guy. They need a guy that's probably a little better than Darnell Mooney. So that Darnell Mooney, who has had enough of an impact. I mean, Lester, do you think it's an accident? I'll I'll throw it to you with this. I know I've been talking a lot. Do you (laughs) think it's an accident that Darnell Mooney is lost for the season? And almost immediately, whatever the bears had rolling on offense evaporated. Do you think that's a coincidence or do you think there's something there? Well, he, Mooney was having a down season to begin with, but he was still Fields' most trusted receiver. I mean, he he trusted him in, in, in clutch situations. He went there when he had to. I think best-case scenario, Darnell Mooney is, is is a two. I think best-case scenario, and, and this is you know based on what he did as a rookie, best-case scenario, Chase Claypool is ceiling as, as a number two. You know, the Bears don't have that that alpha. They don't have that one. You talk about a guy like A.D. Brown who was available in the offseason – he would have looked nice in this offense, but you talk about options. If he doesn't have the time to work through his options, to get there. You talk about that the, the the failed touchdown pass where they leaked reef out in the flat. 
if Fields would have had a tick second longer, he had Cole commit coming behind Reef. He could have hit him for the touchdown there, but the, t- the time wasn't there. You know, it just there's not enough time for him to make these decisions. You know, he's trying to go through his progressions. You know, and then just he just can't get through them all the time. Um, I know in sack watch last week, I broke down a play, and you know, uh, Fields had had Bayless Jones wide open, but the way the the, the defense had him reading it was was uh, right to left. And he just didn't have time to get back to Bayless Jones, who was wide open. It's just rough. It's just that he, if he doesn't have the time to make his plays, there's not much can be said for him. You want to see more of him as a pocket passer. He knows he has to do more as a pocket passer. But what are you going to do when, when the talent around him is so bad? I mean, we're not going to see the best of this. It's, it's, it's bad saying because this year was a wasted season because I think you did find out a few things. You found out Fields is capable if he has some more talent. You, you believe in, you know, that he has something there. But as a passer, we're still not sure where he is because, you know, we haven't seen what he can do there. You, it's going to be a, an interesting offseason for the Bears to see how much they really believe in Justin Fields and how much they truly want to build it up. But like you said, free agency is going to come first. Maybe they go heavy on defense because the defense is awful. Well, and Then in, in the draft, then you can address, you know, O-line early, wide receiver early. You know, it's going to be uh, interesting. And I know this isn't an off-season podcast, Lester. It's a post-game podcast. But after a game like this, I think you can agree that it's all we have. It's about the (laughs) off-season. Looking forward, yeah. Like, because the problem is, is that do I really blame the team for functionally giving up in the second half? I mean, it's not good. You don't want that from your team. But I don't think the Bears' defense was giving up points for lack of trying. I, I think they were just getting beat. And so the on the offensive side, I don't think they were getting whooped for lack of trying. I think they were just getting beat. No, the body language wasn't great from Justin Fields, but right at the end of the game, we see him and a Lions defensive tackle laughing together. And I, I like to think I have an inkling of what they may or may not have been talking about. <laughs> but the point is, Lester, thankfully the Bears do have the money. So, for instance, yeah. Draymond Jones very well may escape Denver. Uh, he's a very solid three technique and a spicy interior pass rusher. Is he Jalen Carter? He's not. Is he Aaron Donald? He isn't. Is he Chris Jones? No, he's not Lester, but he's a lot better than Justin Jones and nobody, right? So if you theoretically, to use an example, add Deron Payne and Draymond Jones, it's hard to do, but you would make your defensive line a lot better without needing to draft a defensive line superstar because the problem is like you're mentioning Lester there are so many positions you could point to and theoretically let's pretend that the best player in the draft played wide receiver well that'd be the obvious choice or if they play the best player in the draft plays left tackle well that'd be the obvious choice best player in the draft plays defensive end well that'd be the obvious choice the Bears have so many holes across their roster that this draft fits them in so many ways because so many pieces of the team are just that bad. And so I'm going to be curious to see what they do, but I will mention what gives me or what really intrigues me, Lester, is that this free agency class is a little better in the trenches than it is at the skill positions. And so that makes me wonder, you know, the bears still have a first round draft pick Lester in 2024. Like we, I think a lot of people have spoken, like they've got to fix the whole team in 2023. They don't have to fix the whole team in 2023, at least not with blue chip talent. You can only do so much, right? So which team, which position is too important to wait on and which position do you need to add talent ASAP so that in 2024 and 2025, you've got your guys that are starting to find their rhythm. One more thing I want, or like maybe it's wide receiver, maybe it's edge rusher. One more thing that I want to mention. Uh, Lester, 
take a look at the around the league. Look at Geno Smith. Look at Jalen Hurts. Look at all kinds of quarterbacks. I think you'd agree, Lester, that as much as we want to rush to come to judgment on quarterbacks, we want to say, is he the guy or not? Geno is a great example of how time in the league just makes you a faster processor. Like yeah. it's it's not that complicated. We make this too complicated sometimes, right? Where right now the quarterbacks dominating the league are Josh Allen, they're Patrick Mahomes, they're sure Justin Herbert's up there. But if you take a look through, even Jared Goff is in this conversation, and he had another great game today with an incredible or with a crazy completion percentage. Is it any surprise, Lester? that these guys have been in the league for at minimum four and in many cases, five, six, seven, eight years, right? Like Justin Fields' processing can only be so fast right now. He's a second-year player that came out of Ohio State where Ohio State has some of the best receivers in the NFL. Like the be- not just in college. Like if you took Ohio State's receiver core from when Justin Fields was a player, you would be having Chris Olave and Garrett Wilson. You could legitimately say, Lester, that he had better receivers in college than he had in the pros, which oh, is crazy. Sure. I mean, that should not be, right? And so I just look at this situation thinking to myself, I don't think that Rome can be built in a day. I don't think the Bears are going to be able to build the Eagles offense around Justin Fields overnight. It's just not that easy, right? But... Thankfully, we've seen Jalen Hurts show us that you can go from having the longest time to throw in football to getting better. Maybe not fastest ever, but getting better, right? And so I, like you, want to see the Bears. I want to see what Ryan Poles does. Like, where does he push his chips in? You know, that's going to be the core question that I want to see answered. It's got to be the trenches. I mean, it's it's still it's still football. It's still one and lost in the trenches. I think you really got to upgrade, you know, O-line, D-line, and then you kind of just as far as the draft goes, then you kind of go BPA. And if you get, you know, if, if, if Jalen Carter or, or Will Anderson or those are the guys at the top of the draft, you feel that's the way to go. If you, you pull the trigger, if you can trade back, I mean, is, what is the talent drop off with a guy like Carter to the next three tech guy? That's something the bears are gonna have to f- figure out here. If, if it's worth them going back and picking up some more draft picks, I think they got to do it because this team needs talent. This team needs talent across the board. The best way to get that is with several draft picks. We saw Ryan Poles play this game last year in, on day three, which is nice to get more bites of the apple, so to speak. But if you can use your first round pick and get more day day two and day one draft picks, that's obviously better because you have a better chance to hit on those guys. So it's got to be the trenches. It's got to be O-line, maybe receiver. But, again, you're going to find your, your number one receiver for the most part. You draft those guys. And yep. If you can get a guy on, on day two, I think that's the way you go there. That's why I said trade back off that first pick if you can. Get some more picks. Find a receiver. Like I said, you got Mooney. He's fine. You got Claypool. Hopefully he's a little better. But after that, the entire receiving core is going to be reworked again because Pringle's a free agent. Uh, Harry, he's a guy. You know, he's nothing special. You know, Dante Pettis, come on. That guy's not going to be around in Chicago next season. Bayless Jones will be here. I think he's a great fourth or fifth option as a gadget guy, but he's not a guy you count on to be your number one. So it's going to be another huge rebuild, so to speak, next season, although they have a few pieces in place. Can you go uh, to compete for the playoffs next season? Unlikely, but we see it every season. Worst to first, and then the NFC. What is it? If you're if you're a, a, a eight and nine team, you're in the playoff discussion. Yep, it's not fun and exciting, 
but realistically they could kind of push for that yep still Dan, Dan Weirderer the other day said or said that it would be multiple years before the Bears were playing meaningful December football and the problem is Lester meaningful December football pretty much just means being in that silly in the hunt graphic yeah. and that is a oh, low man. bar yeah. like Over, yeah that that's like six and eleven. That's like seven and 10. I mean, it's not to say that it's easy to win that many more games, but there are too many of these bears games that have literally come down to a field goal to win it drive yeah. one way or another, where if they kept a few more points off the board or put a few more points on the board. They very well may have come out the other way. You could say the bears have been horrifically unlucky this season and still they've only won three games. I mean, it's not that it's an easy path to the playoffs ever, right? But I think you'd agree, Lester, that a jump to becoming the next Giants team isn't that far-fetched if the coaching staff can put their thinking caps on. But, Lester, like you said earlier, we'll keep it a relatively small show. There's a lot of discussion to be had, but probably not right now. Happy New Year, am I right? So you give me your final thoughts on this Bears game. Burn the tape. I mean, there, like I said, not, there's nothing good to come out of this. You know, hopefully Justin Fields is not injured. Like I said, it looked like he may have got dinged up a little bit. Hopefully Tevin Jenkins' neck is fine. Hopefully they were just being really cautious with him. They pulled him out early in the game with a little a neck injury. You know, we'll have more about the injuries uh, during the week on the podcast and, and the video channel, obviously. But, uh, you know, let's just, let's just get the hell out of here and uh, sim this season. This last game is meaningless. Don't get anybody hurt. And uh, let's let's build this up in the offseason, see what happens. Mm -hmm. I'll tell you, Lester, that the most positive thing I can say about this Bears game, because there's not much to say, is I am legitimately surprised that this kind of a blowout hadn't happened yet. Yeah. I mean, when you look at this Bears team, it was never good enough to compete with a team like Miami, to go toe-to-toe -to -toe with a team like Buffalo, where they were winning after the first half. It wasn't good enough to give the Eagles a scare. It wasn't good enough to beat the 49ers. And I know so many people want to talk about weather across the board, but the idea that finally hits started to wear out a little bit when we played one of the best offenses in the NFL in a dome on the, or at their home field, that suddenly this means that Matt Aberflus and this regime can't work. To me, I don't think that's fair. I mean, I don't think it's fair to jump down the throat of Justin Fields when the cast around him is obviously so poor. Is he a franchise guy? Lester, who cares? I mean, he's the starting quarterback for 2023. And as far as I know, or like as far as I'm concerned, that's really all that matters because that'll give us a lot more data and make a better decision on his fifth year option. I feel like games like Dallas should have been this level of blowout and i guess according to the box score maybe it was but that was a game all the way until the fourth quarter i mean it is surprising to me how competitive these chicago bears have been despite the adversity that they've faced this season it isn't a good team but it wasn't a good team it's not like they got that much worse well i guess they did lose a couple of their best players obviously but it's more to say, Lester, the depth was always getting tested. There were huge problems across the roster that it's still or that have been problems across the roster. Getting beat like this is always a bell ringer and nobody ever likes it. But I do think, like you're mentioning, this is a game that two years in the future will remember how ugly it was, but it won't have the impact that you feel like it has today. Right. That gross feeling where you just watched your team's laundry get kicked up and down the field for 
three hours, like that will go away with time. I'm very curious to see what Ryan Bowles comes out with. This this loss does help the Bears in the long term. And now all eyes turn to, honestly, probably that Texans-Colts game. Because if they yeah. can come out with this season and still get the first overall pick, I think there's a lot to be legitimately hopeful for. Second overall pick is great too. Uh, they It looks as if everybody mentions, like Eberflus has now said that Justin Fields is going to start next game if he's healthy. Fields said, I want to play no matter what the score is. So it, the Bears are at least paying lip service to the idea that Fields will be playing Week 18. So obviously, hopefully everybody stays healthy. But Lester, I can't help feeling that this was coming. The Bears ran into a hot, hot team and got buzzsawed in half. And I mean, past a certain point, you almost think it's chalk, you know? And yeah. so if it really happened the way that we probably could have drawn it up, there's only so much being mad that I can do. But yeah. that'll about do it for us. Lester, what can people be watching for? Yeah, you know, we got stuff, you know, the whole week, like always. Uh, you know, we've already started transitioning some of our, our off-season coverage. You know, Jacob's doing a great job with his draft stuff. Greg Gabriel started doing some individual player scouting for the site. So that'll be there. Plus, of course, the podcast channel stuff all week. Video channel, Second City Grand stuff all week. So, you know, we, we got everything Bears-related covered from uh, from all directions. We absolutely do. And so with that in mind, I'll also go ahead and sign off. Bears fans, thanks so much for tuning in. Have a wonderful rest of your New Year's Day. Best of luck to you in 2023. And until next time, bear down. And thanks so much for bearing with me.